Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. With me. Heavenly Father, today we just lift our hearts up to you, God. We pray today that as we worship that you would uh, inhabit our praises. Thank you that your presence is already here, is already felt, and is already among us, God. I thank you today for a church family that, that we can rely upon in our moments of, of grief, in our moments of pain, in our moments of struggle, God. I just, I thank you for how your presence pervades this place and allows us to just be the people of God together for one another and among one another, God. And ask that as we, as we venture forward in the, in the weeks and the months and the years to come, that you would bind us together as a church family should be. Lord, today I want to lift um, just praises up to you. Thank you for uh, your love in our lives. Thank you for how you uh, minister to us and what you, uh, how you speak to us and the grace that you extend to us, God. Today, we, we thank you for, for little Charlotte and her safe delivery and her presence among us. Would you bless this dear one? Bless these parents that have a, have a newborn. Um, may they be getting rest and sleep. May they be sharing precious moments together with this little infant. And would you bless this young life? Walk with her, protect her, guide her, strengthen her. May your blessing settle in on this young child on this day. We also thank you for uh, just the chance we've had this week to open our doors, open our campus to our neighbors on our block party, God. We saw so many that, that came and were part of that, not only from uh, around our neighborhood, but around town and, and certainly from this church family that showed up that day and just said, we want to host this party for you. We pray that your love and your grace would have been seen and felt by all that were able to come and be part of that. Today we lift up our youth group as they're returning from uh, Utah, returning from a weekend of, of service projects and of, of play and uh, relaxation yesterday at, at Lagoon at the amusement park. Pray for safety for their trip home and pray for um, these tired bodies as they venture across, uh, across the roads. Give them patience for one another and endurance for the day and bring them home safe to us. We lift, lift Pastor Debbie to you as well. Um, 
as she's on vacation, may this time that she spends away be a moment of rest and renewal, a time to, to recharge her batteries, a time to connect with Kevin um, and spend that time away. Lord, we also lift to you the, the family of Vernon Chambers, whose memorial we celebrated just yesterday, um, and ask that you would be with this family, be with Terry and Rebecca, and all of Rebecca's family as they mourn and grieve, but as they also celebrate the homegoing of, of this one that they love so much. Be with them, walk with them in their days. May they know the grace and comfort that only your spirit can bring. As we turn our attention to the word today, Father, we ask that you would be with us, that you would speak to us, that you would speak directly to our hearts. Help us know and understand and hear your words afresh and anew today. And help us to shape our lives as you would have them shaped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I think I got this one turned on here, uh, Tyler. Can you hear me? Is that all right? I'm not sure I'm coming through yet. Yes? Awesome. Great. Well, uh, it's time where we dismiss our, our kids, K through 6, up to Kids Church. But before they go, I have a, I have a quick joke. Um, it's, it's lagoon-based. It's appropriate for the weekend where the teens are in lagoon. Why didn't the rooster go on the roller coaster? Because he was a chicken. I think I heard the answer over there. Nice job. Nice job. Kids, you can head upstairs uh, to Kids Church. And parents, after the service, you can head upstairs um, and pick them up. Um, I'm grateful for volunteers that we have that uh, teach our kids in age-appropriate ways um, on Sunday morning. Look at that crew go. That's great. Marvelous. Well, we've been journeying through the book of James this summer. Um, I think we're on week number eight, if my counting is correct. Um, and we've kind of gone piece by piece all the way through. We haven't skipped any verses. Um, some of the verses have been kind of tough. <laughs> It'd be easier to skip some of them. Um, but as we take a look and, and work sequentially, sometimes it's fun to, to do that. Um, it's also fun to, to kind of string together this thread, this thread of a message from uh, an author uh, and, and, and get a sense of the full scope of, of what the author is trying to say and, and what the author uh, is trying to communicate uh, to us. And so uh, we're turning again to uh, James today. We're in James chapter 4, starting um, in verse 13, and we're actually going to read down into, into chapter 5 uh, today and read the first uh, six, chapter, or six verses of, of chapter 5 as well. For those who are willing and able, out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read James chapter 4, uh, verse 13, down through chapter 5, verse 6 reading from the book of James in the Common English Bible. Pay attention, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such town. We will stay there a year buying and selling and making a profit. You don't really know about tomorrow. <laughs> what is your life? You are a mist that appears only for a short while before it vanishes. Here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. It is a sin when someone knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it. 
in chapter 5. Pay attention, you wealthy people. Weep and moan over the miseries coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Moths have destroyed your clothes. Your gold and silver have rusted. And the rust will be the evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. Consider the treasures you have hoarded in the last days. Listen, hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. These are the wages you stole from those who harvested your fields. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of heavenly forces. You have lived a self-satisfying life on this earth, a life of luxury. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who doesn't oppose you. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. Please be seated. I want to ask a, a question of you parents out there. If any of you are parents, some of you are. Um, I want to ask this question. Um, well, I want to make this confession. I'm going to start with a confession. I have what I deemed today as a pay attention voice. If you're a parent, perhaps you know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, maybe you have one. I have a pay attention voice. I have one. I think I inherited it from my mom. Um, I, when I was growing up, I knew my parents' pay attention voice, right? I mean, they, they had a voice that they normally use. They have a voice that, that was normal tone, normal pace, normal volume. And then they had the pay attention voice. Right? It could strike the fear into the hearts of the children in the room at a moment's notice. It would make you sit up straight. It would change your behavior in an instant. Whatever, whatever it took, you were going to try to get mom or dad out of that pay attention voice. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Okay. Some of you are raising your hands. Others of you just aren't admitting it. So, um, appreciate that. This passage has two of these moments where James is like, pay attention. Look out. Listen to what I am saying. Um, both groups in, in, in these two different sections that we read, both groups are, are asked to, to pay attention in the same manner. The, the Greek words that, that that the author uses, that, that we get the New Testament in the Greek is the oldest language that we can go back to. The, those words are literally translated, come now. Come now. Let me have your attention now. Listen to me right now. Hear what I am saying to you. Even though they're, they're addressed in the same way. Uh, I have one author that, that, that I read, Douglas Moo, suggests the, the first group are, are likely believers. That he's, that he's talking to people who, who know the way that they should act. And particularly if you look at that very last verse of that section, section sec, or that first section, he says, it's a sin when someone knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it. This first section is, is written to those who know what they ought to do. The second likely are not. The, the second is a group that, that, that doesn't have a faith, that, that doesn't necessarily haven't figured out the way to act. One group is, is all about the plan. The other group is, is kind of enjoying the riches of the plans of the past. The first group seemingly knowing what to do. The second one not kind of having a clue. 
A problem of these texts, as we take a look, and, and, and oftentimes as I prepare a sermon, I like to ask the question, okay, where's the problem that we find here? What's going on? What, what's the problem that we see in the text in front of us? At, at the first brush, there's not much of a problem. At the first brush, there's just a group that, that likes to make a plan, Right? First, the, like, I like to have a plan. I like to move on that plan. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the second group is just the wealthy group. Is, it, is there something wrong with being wealthy? Is there something wrong with, with having lots of money? And on the first brush, I would say that, no, these two inherently, necessarily, just where they're at, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I certainly love... Uh, a good plan. I know people who, who are wealthy, who have accumulated over a lifetime means, and that are pretty well off. In fact, considering kind of our, our global economy, and you think about all 8 billion people who cover the, the face of this planet Earth, we in America have, have a large percentage of people with roofs over our heads running potable water in our homes with services at our disposal. When you look at the global economy, even our station in life, even the privilege that we have of living in this country, we're quite well off, right? When we, do, when we dig a little deeper into these two passages, when we dig a little deeper into what James is saying, we see something a little bit different. The real warning of, of the first section has to do with this arrogant posture. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going we're to sell and trade these things. We're going to make a bunch of money. We're going to buy the big house and get the cool car. The, the plan is, is to move here and to go there and to accomplish good things. to make all these plans and to have them set in stone and to say, the goal of this is that we're going we're gonna to do well. Uh, did any of you in your high school class have the one kid that thought that, in my class it was, it was a he, he thought he was going to make a bunch of money. I mean, he had his plan. He had it set out. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that the, the, path, the career path that his life was going to take and that he was going to find... And then came Facebook, the great equalizer, <laughs> right? Because you could look that guy up and be like, hmm, how'd all those plans work out for you, buddy? Uh, you didn't quite make it. But people can be like that. We can be like that. We can live like that. We've got a whole plan. We've got it all worked out. I can do... Uh, I can certainly do that in my life. I, I joke with the, the, with the staff sometimes. Um, I think I could dream in spreadsheets, which is really awkward, I know. And some of you are like, really? I, if there were a spreadsheet Olympics, I think I might enter um, because I, I love to have a plan. I love to have it all organized. And plans are okay. But James says we can't plan without a humility before God, without appropriate humility, without this sense of, of knowing that in the midst of our plan, that God is a factor, and that God is 
part of what we're doing from a day-to-day basis. I think humility is really a rare art form today, to truly be humble, to, to, to be nuanced in, in, in our opinions, to be humble and say, I, I, think, I think this, I think I know this. From my experience, this is what I've been taught. But it's a lot easier to not necessarily think all that articulately about complex concepts. I, I, I think it's, it's uncomfortable these days sometimes to admit uncertainty and to, to admit doubt, to accept contingency and, and unknown variables. That a lot of times in our lives, it's, it's simpler to kind of speak in blacks and whites. James is speaking to this group of people who need a sense of, of God's interplay with the circumstances of our lives. I don't think James doesn't want us to plan. I hope not, (laughs) because I'm in trouble, because I like a good plan. And yet I think James is encouraging us to understand that God is in the midst of those plans, that God is present in our lives, and for us to have a sense of humility in our planning. I think, I think that humility is keeping a reasonable view of ourselves. Keeping a reasonable view of ourselves and our plans. Not in a a self-demeaning or demoralizing way, a self-abasing person. But simply being reasonable with ourselves. The second group of people that James kind of snaps his fingers at. That, that was my mom's thing, especially when she was on the phone. If you heard mom on the phone and she was snapping, that meant it was time to turn the volume down just a little bit. Um, but, but, but James gets the attention of this second group of people, the wealthy. And earlier I, had, I drew, drew the circle fairly large, uh, considering our, our global economy and the 8 billion people that we have. I, I don't think it's wrong to be wealthy. I don't think James is saying it's wrong to be wealthy. I don't think James is saying, making a case that, that if you've done well in this life, that something's wrong with how you've acted. Again, Douglas Moose says this, both paragraphs condemn a pursuit of wealth that fails in, to take into account the reality of God and his will for humanity. The, the, first, the first group of people would be the merchants who would travel to make a living. Here, um, here he's talking to a group of wealthy landowners, people who would have owned land and would have hired people to work <clears throat> those fields and have the need for hired hands. As you read through it, as you kind of compare the two sections, there's this change of, of tone. In the first section, he was kind of asking these questions and a little bit of Q&A and then answering, and he was exhorting people to do the right thing and to offering reminders of, of how we should live. And then these first six verses of chapter 5 are, are read as a rebuke 
Read as a correction. Read as, as this point of saying, don't live this way. It's here we have to remind ourselves that the wealth is not the problem in this text. There's certain, certainly plenty of warnings about the perils of riches within the biblical text. Not the presence of them, but, but the love of money. What does it say about the love of money? It says it's the root of all evil. It says don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. James's warning in chapter 5 is the sinful use of those riches and wealth. He talks about endless accumulation. The sense of, of, you know, when I really arrive is when I reach here. When I, when I have my own business or when I, when I have this car to drive and someone arrives there and then what do they do? Well, I'll really arrive when this happens. And then the pursuit for the next goal, the next milestone happens. And there's this endless cycle. The second thing that he talks about is, is unleveraged resources, that when we have these means, when we have this wealth, that it just sits there. That these resources that, that sit and, and aren't used and, and aren't put to good use it says this, their rust will be evidence against you. That when our resources sit and have no purpose and have no means, it will become evidence against you. The third thing he talks about is taking advantage of the marginalized. Stripped down wages for the workers of the field. That when the wealthy, when these landowners would, would hire these, these field hands and, and give them scraps for wages. But that was something that James said, this isn't right. This is not how we're meant to live. He then talks about self-satisfying, luxurious lifestyles, being so indulgent. <laughs> it says it's like, I'm going to read this one because it, it just, cracked me up. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. It's like they're fattening themselves up <laughs> for the day of slaughter. And the final verse says this. It says, you have condemned and murdered the righteous one who doesn't oppose you. Now in my mind, when I think of, of the righteous one, my, my, my 21st century brain goes to Jesus. And commentators really believe that that's not, that's not really what they were talking about, that James wasn't meaning to introduce the person of Jesus here, but that's when, when he says the righteous one, he's talking about those workers. He's talking about those people that had invested in, in his fields that, that, who hadn't opposed them but had worked for them, but the landowner had just taken advantage and abused them and mistreated by the wealthy. And the question for us as we read these texts is, how does this speak to us? How do we now live today? What do we do? James has snapped his fingers to, to, to get our attention. Come now, he barks. 
pay attention, he says, and then addresses these two divergent groups of people. The arrogant who had devised this plan in order to make a lot of money and and, and had planned so much that they had not left room for the interaction and the guidance of God. And the second group, the wealthy, who had abused their means. What do we do today? How do we live today to remain faithful? And as I thought about this, and, and as, I, as I sought to take a look at my own life, and to, to come up with an image or, or a picture of, of something that would be helpful, what came to my mind is living a life with open hands. What came to my mind was a, was a picture of, of trying to live life with open hands, a posture of, of openness and willingness. A person with open hands can, can, can make plans, can have, can have a, a goal, can, can set a course of action. But who isn't clinging to that? Who isn't so locked in that, that the Spirit of God can't break in and can't speak and say, Trent, let's go a different direction. Your plan was great. It was okay. It was fine. But listen to my voice. One way I see that reflected in my own life is, is the schedule of my day. I, there are some appointments I have to keep. And other times it's just, I really like to have an order of things. And somebody will come into the office or my kid will, will need something and I'll, and I'll need to divert or, or there's a conversation that needs to be had and I need to stop and be present in that moment. And saying, what is God inviting me into? I, I've joked before that, that I'm perfectly willing to be spontaneous at any time. Just give me a couple days notice and I'll put that on my calendar and we'll, we'll spend that 15 minutes being spontaneous. And then I don't think that's a life lived with open hands. To say, God, where are you moving? What are you doing in this moment? How can I connect with this person in front of me? How I thank God for a wife who challenges me in that way and says, come on, Trent, be spontaneous. And who also challenges me to say, could God be doing something here in this moment? This predetermined, I've got this all figured out posture is really just, I like to veil it as having a plan, but it's really just, arrogance before the Lord. God, help me open my hands. The same thing for the one who would accumulate wealth, who, who is a landowner, someone who's, who has done well in, in life and has means. This picture of living a life with open hands. 
It's a simple picture. It's a simple concept. It's a simple thing to imagine. But I don't think it's easy to live life with open hands, to live generous lives. And so I wanted to leave that picture with you today as we read James, as we talk about these warnings that he has for these different groups of people. I thought that was a helpful, a helpful picture for us uh, this morning. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. As we close, we're going to sing a song. Um, I was reminded this week um, of something we talked about actually last week at Newcomer's Lunch. Every couple of months or so, we have a Newcomer's Lunch where we invite those who who haven't ever been to Newcomer's or or maybe just joined our church uh, or just started coming. Um, It's a great time to kind of meet uh, the staff and meet uh, uh, see see the different things that we have have going on. But part of what we talk about at, at that newcomer's lunch is our core values. Uh, we have them posted on a bulletin board that's right out here, and I don't talk about them as much as I should or as often as I should, but I was reminded today that the two of them speak directly to what we're talking about today. Two of them really speak to what James is is trying to tell us today. The first one says this, we practice extravagant generosity. We're meant to be generous people, generous with our time and our talents, generous with our our treasures, generous with with our compliments, generous with grace and forgiveness and joy and empathy, generous with our love. In this place, as church family, we want to practice extravagant generosity. And the second core value that I think applies to what James is talking about today is this. It says we give our lives away. We give our lives away first to God. First to God in our plans and in our planning and in the things that we have scheduled, in the things the directions that we think we're going. We give our lives away in a humble and open posture to what God has for us. And in our means and in our resources, whether in our view that's a lot or a little, we give our lives away to care for those around us, to to be present our lives, our plans, our future, our goals and dreams doesn't mean that we don't plan and it doesn't mean that it's wrong to have means. What it means is we live open lives and we give our lives away. We make our lives subservient to Christ and Christ's direction for us. Can we do that? I I think it's possible I think we can live that way. Is it simple? Maybe, but not easy. I encourage us today to live that way. Would you pray with me? And then we'll sing as we close. Lord God, today as we turn to your word, as we look to the book of James again one more time, I thank you for how you guide us and how you instruct us how you encourage us to live a life 
aware of your presence. And Lord, today I'm just challenged by that, that view, by that picture of living life with open hands, that you would help us, that you would speak to us, that you would lead us in ways of living with open hands, God. Help me. I start with myself. Help, help me to live that way amidst the busyness and with all there is to do. Help me to adopt a posture of openness to the working of your Spirit in my coming and my going and the plans that I have with the means that you have given me, God. Would you help me open my hands and follow after you, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. I just hear again James inviting us into a new way of living, a new mode of living life that God has for us. Pay attention, he says. You who live have a tendency to, to do these things. He says, not so with you. Live today, live this week, live this life with open hands to God, captured by a new way of living for Christ. Uh, as I offer a benediction, I'm going to invite you to just to hold out your hands as a physical reminder that we receive this benediction today. Now, glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power, which is at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.